You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketing director for Studio 420. Today, we're talking to social media expert Amy Donahue. She co-founded Hybrid Social in 2015 to help cannabis entrepreneurs build their brands on social media. She has been a guest speaker at MJ BizCon, Emerge, and Imperius Expo trade shows, sharing her passion and expertise in building brands through social media. Today, Amy and I talk about how social media is the place to build brand recognition, community, and authenticity through storytelling, not sales. Tune in to get insights on what it takes to build a social media strategy for your cannabis brand. Hello, darling. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It's great. How are you? Good, good. Hustling through my day. I ended up working really hard earlier this week. I usually work really hard earlier in the week and I, that way I can be a little chill on Thursdays and Fridays because I do social media. So I work weekends sometimes. So it's a, it's a balance. Right, right. No, I kind of do the same thing. I, I, I actually like to get a little work done over the weekend just so I'm, I can yep. a little freedom to kick back a little bit or do whatever I need. Um, so, but yeah, again, I think you said you've been doing uh, social media in cannabis for 10 years. Is that yeah. right? Okay. And 16, wow. 17 now overall. Wow. But still cannabis 10 years ago, that's, you know, pretty, pretty uh, pioneering there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wanted to jump in as soon as, you know, it, we didn't even have anything in Arizona yet. I got a, it was a rolling paper and it, is actually a great lesson in intellectual property in this industry. It was the greatest brand. It was called Bama J and it was Obama. And it had these cool little things like keep America rolling and presidential size. And it was just really punny. And whether you liked him or not, it was just a great fun brand. And he never trademarked anything. And when he couldn't run the business, all of a sudden it started showing up on Amazon. So, um, well, let's just start out with, um, I'm, I'm curious how, when, when you get a new client, how you approach creating a social, social media strategy for someone like, you know, what are the questions you ask or how is just your general first intake of information and kind of getting a feel for your client? Well, first of all, every single one of them are different. Everybody, even if it's two edibles brands, their brands and the story are completely different. And, and the target audiences could be different, could be more medical or rec. So it's a lot of discovery questions, but it's a lot of me doing a deep dive on the internet to find out as much as possible. Uh, what are people saying about them? Do I want to take that brand on? Because you could pay me a million dollars a month, but if you're a crappy brand and you know just canna and a leaf all over the place, I don't want to work with that. I want to work with, I want to work with people and brands that are at a level that I feel I am. I, they know what they're doing. They've got a great brand. They've paid money for stuff like their branding so that they could be um, 
put, you know, have their best foot forward. Cause I do have questions, but a lot of times business owners, they don't understand social media and they think that it's just about the numbers. And they'll say to me, like, um, in the questions that you sent me, some of them are like, well, how many times do you post a day? I don't know. I don't know when your target audience is online. I'm not going to post when the analytics tell me that no one's there just because you think something has to go out at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday when everyone's working. Um, so I'm very particular. I, for people I work with, they have to give me the keys to drive. They have to understand that I'm really good at what I'm good at and you're really good at what you're good at. And you know, I take input from some of my clients, but I educate them. This isn't really appropriate for social media or whatever. Um, but the intake questions are for me to get a feel of their knowledge, for me to know if I'm gonna be frustrated or not working with them because I can pick and choose. I'm mm -hmm. very choosy. I do say no a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I tell people they're not ready for someone like me. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to sell a brand. I mean, the same thing just, yeah, in marketing a, yep. a, a company or a brand. I mean, I don't mind the challenge, but if, you know, if you don't really have something marketable, I, it's just, I don't know what really tough it's, it's, it's so saturation or just a bad product or they're too new. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of different things. Do you use any, um, social media tools or like listening tools like when you're like you're saying you're taking a deep deep dive into a brand and you know just trying to learn all about them i use the google um because google you can find comments that people have on reddit if you like a lot of listening tools will have the major networks on there but they don't always have yelp on there what are people saying about your dispensary on yelp what are they saying in the enthusiast groups or subreddits, I should say, on Reddit? So um, the only actual listening tool I use is Mention and Google Alerts, I should say, too. Uh, Google Alerts and Mention, because they tell me when people are talking about me, because I don't always get tagged properly and stuff. So I have to you know, be mindful of my personal brand as well as my company. But a Google search will tell you almost everything you need to know about a company. Look on LinkedIn. Are they mentioned in posts? Are they mentioned in the call out posts, you know, that have been proliferating that network lately? Um, and back to the, so that's, that's how I do a deep dive to, just to make sure there's a positive view because I'm not turning it around unless everything from the top of in your company has been changed. This, the same product is coming out. Um, so, um, oh, let's talk about um, conducting social media audits and I guess meaning on your competition. And can you just tell us a little bit about how you conduct social media audits, audits and why it's important? Well, the, and it sounds so basic, but again, it's, it's such a new industry. And before I even say anything, I know this industry is open for entrepreneurs who've never owned a business before. So I understand you don't know what you don't know. But if your Facebook page isn't even filled out with information and you still have that Ipsum Lorem thing, the space filler that they have in the different categories, that tells me that A, um, you shouldn't be on social media or maybe don't use Facebook. Whoever you hired to do this is already ruining your brand before you even, you know, get followers on your page. But the audits are 
and they have to know who their competition is. If you don't know who your competition is, I can't do an audit. And I'm not digging for your competition. You should know that. So I, I go and I look at the competition social media and I'll say, hey, here's you know this, here's their interaction and engagement, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. I mean, I, I can tell you within five minutes if an Instagram account is compliant or not. I can tell you if it's genuine or not. Did they buy followers, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of doing. Um, it's so funny because people think that- I did that once long ago and I, then I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you at least admit it because I will get clients and I, I will tell them nothing is going on Instagram for a few months because I need to clean it up. I can't post anything because you bought a hundred thousand Indonesian followers who will never buy your product. And they think that by pumping up the numbers, it makes them look better. But to me, when you have that many fake friends, I don't want to be your friend. Like, why would I want to hang out with you when all you're doing is, you know, throwing money around? Nobody, nobody likes that person. And then they don't follow back other people. Um, they think that they look, um, you know, more prestigious by having so many tens of thousands of followers and they follow 420, which is so basic and dumb. But that tells me you don't understand the social part of social media, which is liking and commenting, watching stories, watching reels. Instagram itself is a full-time job. But um, yeah, so anyway, the audits show everything and they show what is right, what is wrong, um, who's not using analytics, who doesn't even have a strategy. You can tell, did you post something this week? Oh, I better put up a picture of our edibles. That's not a strategy. That's an afterthought. And your investors expect way more than that. Good point. Your investors, right. Especially when you get to that level. Yep. Um, right. Yeah, I definitely, you, you, you have to go in there and, and look at all those different things and follow the competitors and yes, you see what everybody's doing. So um, how much time, I'm sure this is one of the questions that you get asked all the time, how much time needs to be spent on platforms to build a following? I mean, ge you know, generally. Yeah, I recommend an hour a day per network. Mm -hmm. So if you have an Instagram account, you need to be spending an hour a day on there. Does it have to be all at once? No, but does it have to be an hour a day? Yes, you have to like, you have to follow, you have to research hashtags, you have to research shadow bans. Um, when I say Instagram is a full-time job, it really is if you are also the content creator, which I do not do. Um, but it just, <laughs> it just, it just blows my mind sometimes how, how little people put into their front door, their welcome mat of their brand. And I think I just got a little off track, but some, it popped into my mind that face or social media is your, is your brand's welcome mat. So if you're not spending time, that means you're not paying attention to notifications probably. So people are mentioning you talking to you on Twitter, but you only log in once a month to post once a month. Um, no, that needs to be an hour a day as well. And there are so many ways that you can stand out on Twitter in this industry because frankly i don't think facebook and instagram are for the in industry and i think that instagram is so oversaturated that unless you have an amazing content creator and an amazing social media strategy strategist and manager 
why be there? Like, why continue to fight in that algorithm, which is a beast to get into? Go yeah. elsewhere. Go where the Reddit is so amazing for this industry and products that I don't understand. I do understand because it means that there aren't a lot of people like me who think outside the Zuckerberg box, but who understand social media is not just the big four or whatever people will say. There is a lot out there. Snapchat, I mean, it just goes on, <laughs> but an hour a day minimum for each network. So if your brand's on eight networks, your person's working full time. And that's just with the social media management. Um, you have to have a separate content creator, of course, with that time. Right. So generally, how, how much time or how many platforms do you put your clients on? Do you think just pick the top two? It depends on if it's B2B or B2C. For B2B, you have to be on LinkedIn, like you said. And a LinkedIn company page doesn't take a lot of work because it's not like Facebook where your page has to like other, face, other pages, which people don't know because um, you have a feed for pages on Facebook. So LinkedIn company pages don't take a lot of work. I, I help people build up their LinkedIn profiles. Um, so B2B, definitely LinkedIn, definitely LeafWire and Twitter because Twitter is where the owners are. That is where they're all interacting and engaging as, as well as LinkedIn. B2C, if you have a dispensary, um, I wouldn't start small because you have to have a strategy over several networks. So that's five, six, seven networks, um, including Snapchat. A lot of the cannabis specific ones are gone because we had mass roots that I used. I used incessantly for a few years. I got like 5,000 followers on that network. And then they got hacked by Russian porn bot. And yeah, it was like 18 months. They couldn't figure out. I mean, Mass Roots should be a case study in itself as far as the, the company and coming out the gate like they did. But, um, and then they went away. And if you go to massroots.com now, it directs to some other weird thing. Doobie was another great one. It was like Tinder. Swipe right, swipe left. You can comment and things like that. That one's gone already. So um, hmm. it's, yeah, everything from Snapchat to Facebook for retail. And Snapchat and Twitter will not shut you down for posting your specials on there the right way. Don't go listening to this and thinking you can just go all over Twitter and post your specials. You still need to learn from a professional how to do it. Um, <laughs> But there are different networks that are more forgiving towards promotions and something like Snapchat, you can interact one-on-one -on -one with people. Their flower was dry. They get frustrated by trying to reach out to people on Instagram because if they're not following you back, you'll go into that other message and you might not see it because um, the person who's doing your social media doesn't understand to check all the folders every single day because you never know what you're going to miss. Yeah. Um, but I, I do believe for branding purposes, you need to be in several places if you are consumer facing. And in this industry too, unless you're really niching down uh, on a specific uh, customer base, there's, you know, it, it's from, you know, from the young to the old are interested yeah. in products. And so, and there, everybody's in so many different, on, so many different platforms. I've never thought Snapchat, I just isn't one that comes up on my radar or I think about that often. I kind of thought, and you don't even hear about it in the news. I feel like it kind of- That's hit. why I like it. Yeah, yeah, I had a dispensary client 
locally here in Phoenix for almost four years and they gave me the reins, go do your thing. And I didn't, I didn't jump onto Snapchat for business until I went to MJ BizCon like 2017, maybe I went to a booth, opened up my Snapchat and their location, they had a geo tag of their booth on Snapchat. And I thought that's amazing. First of all, that took planning, that took a strategy and it probably took six months ahead of time to be able to, to put in your booth name because you got to wait for BizCon to tell you what your booth is and everything. Um, and that's when I, I didn't even know who, who that person was. I, I wish I did. Um, that way I'd have somebody to refer stuff to as well and create my own little um, empire of social media people. But again, I think people are just so, people are addicted to Facebook and Instagram. They can't log off. And those networks were created to keep you there. I mean, you can get a date on Facebook. You can buy used tires on Facebook. You can watch TV on Facebook. Mm. Um, but when something, when they shut you down and you're a small business owner, how many thousands of dollars are gone that day or weeks until you get it back? Um, and, and work through the, I don't even want to get into that right now, but, um, you should be as many places as possible because your, your target audience is not just on two networks. And, and, and the, the Facebook and the Instagrams of the world, it's becoming a pay to play, or you just can't come up on those algorithms. So, and plus you can't, as a cannabis brand, it's not friendly. And not even the industry, small business owners in any industry can't afford to be on there. I've watched this algorithm thing since it started. And I don't think that Facebook and Instagram are friendly to small businesses, period. If you're a carpet cleaner, you need to have a budget of hundreds of dollars a month right. to get through to that algorithm. I don't think it's fair. I understand their businesses, but go after the corporations and, and have them pay more so that the small business owners who can't get into that algorithm can get in there. Yeah. I don't support them. I, I just feel that it's abuse. I wonder why, like, where are the activists in this industry saying, we need to put a ban on this because it's not fair. And we don't, why give him traffic? Why give Meta any right. energy or traffic after well, all this? Well, I think you're going to have your dream come true because if they do not support uh, cannabis businesses and we are a group of many small business owners and we're trying to promote the industry that way, then the marketers of, of in cannabis are, are going to start pulling these people off those platforms and into the Reddits or the Snapchats. I wish. And it, but it's going to happen because you're going to keep bringing them over there you know, by marketing to them in whichever ways. I, it, it could be a slow move, we might not see it, but think about how many consumers are in the cannabis industry. It's, it's crazy. So they are risking yep. losing, if, losing those people eyes off their platforms somewhere else and they're gonna get used to those other platforms. So I hope that happens. Okay, well, I'm just gonna say, how many sales can one make in a month uh, on, on any of these platforms? I mean, there's no pay to play, but- if Sales is what you think social media is for. You should not be on social media. Social okay. media is not for selling your product. And that is, again, I understand social media is only, it's only been around for 20 years, less than that. Cause I consider MySpace to be the beginning of social media. And so people don't understand. It's not called sell my shit media. It's called social media. 
And that means you socialize. That means you get to know people and build a community, build a brand. Who's your grower? What's his experience? What does he look like? What's his routine in the morning? You know, when there's stuff that's not completely proprietary, which nobody really has anything that proprietary, unless you're a craft grower and you really care about the product coming out, they're all the same. So instead of worrying about sales, which is what social media is not about, that's what marketing is for. That is what push advertising is for. And that is what paid social is for. Um, but we can't do paid social on hardly anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I think social media is a great way to bring authenticity to your brand, your story. Um, that's where it can punch a hole in, you know, the competition. Yep. Um, and, and that's, you hear that a lot, of course, when you're just talking about marketing any brand, but, you know, I feel like they're, they're, it's talked about a lot in the cannabis industry because there are so many stories and there's so many stories of, you know, either the legacy people, you know, I, I've heard so many stories about how people come to cannabis that were not really users because of medical reasons. A lot with traumatic brain injury, yep. the, you know, I can't believe how many people I've heard that. And today I was talking to someone who came to the industry and started a brand. It was actually Moxie, the Moxie brand in California. Um, he started the brand because um, his sister had leukemia at a, and died at a young age. And they were all, the family was looking at different alternative medicine. Anyway, that's how he came to the plant and, and ended up in the industry. And I've heard that story so many times too. That was a very, that's a very moving story, you know, on PTSD, veterans. I mean, there's, we could, the list could go on. And, and I think that's, that would be the reason to tap into uh, really use social media. And I guess when people probably ask you all the time, like, you know, what's the ROI on this? What do you say? What's the ROI of your mom? <laughs> you, you can't, I mean, you can look at numbers oh, and yeah. see growth every month. Um, but what does that mean? It means that more people are interacting with your brand and that's what social media is about. Put that money into selling, into marketing. You want to find an ROI, put a billboard out, put an ad in a paper with a new phone number or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, again, it's not about sales. Create a medium account or have a blog on your website, do a series, um, do whatever, showcase employees and, and why they love the plant because so many people have so many impactful stories of sisters dying at seven from leukemia or whatever. Um, that's the reason we're all here. That's the reason most of us want to be in the industry. Those of us who are boots on the ground, we're here because we have a story or we have a close relative with a story. And that's, that's- Or we just have a love for the plant. Yeah, I love that plant. I love the smell. <laughs> I love feeling it. I love Keith and my coffee in the morning. I mean, there's so much about that plant. And when we get into hemp and how it cleans the soil, like these, these two cousins or whatever really, yeah. really can make an impact on the planet. And it's starting to, and it's, it's, it's amazing to be a part of it, but also super frustrating. Right, right, right. So, so what kind of benchmarks do you use for yourself or I guess to show your clients, because I'm sure they want to see, you know, 
at least the engagement? Like, do you, yeah. Do, what, yeah, what kind of benchmarks do you use to measure your social media performance? Or Honestly, my most, the one stat I look at the most is my engagement rate. It's not the growth rate, it's the engagement. So for my clients, um, you know, I use whatever tool, some of them have their own tool like Zoho or Sprout Social, and that has monthly reports. And I meet with all my clients every month if they have time. Some of them are just like, nope, love you. You're doing great. Bye. Um, most of them are like that. But then I don't have the opportunity to build as much of a relationship with them. So I'm really, I'm really um, kind of a nut about open communication with what this means. If you're just looking at the report and you see a lot of green, great, that's fine. Red is, you know, when numbers go down, but it's a crapshoot as well. Like 420, you think would be the best day to post on social media. It's the worst for engagement because guess what we're all doing? Yeah. We're smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it so much goes into to that part of it. But um, honestly, if people just see engagement, more people coming in the door, but it's, it's really when they see those notifications come through and they see more and more as traction builds up because you can't even traction takes six to nine months minimum to start building on social media. Um, so I'm very good at educating my clients on that as well. Just because you hired me doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to have 80,000 followers. That's not how it works. Again, right. it's building a brand that takes time. Building a house takes time. So you have to be patient with it and you got to hire a professional, but understand it's more about sales and followers. Right. Right. And, and yeah. And the engagement, like people talking, I mean, yep. that's, what's, that's, what's building your brand, the engagement. I mean, that's what yep. I would. And I that would. gets you into the algorithm. When comments happen, that gets you into the algorithm, not a new follower. A new follower doesn't do shit for the algorithm. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. Um, um, how how long do you typically work for a client? Is it oh. getting them up and running like three months, six months? You were saying six to nine months to kind of really get some traction, meaning engagement and followers, I guess that's what you're saying. So I actually do a couple different things when it comes to social. I do hourly training and consulting and strategies. You want to buy a strategy for me for Instagram, I'll create that for you. So I do like hourly project-based stuff. I do 90-day plans, which are either a cleanup, which actually they're all cleanup, or a buildup. You're not going to gain a lot of traction in that time. In 90 days, even someone like me working full-time on it, you're not going to gain as much traction long-term. I have had 90-day clients, which I've handed off to, and even with a strategy, they do not do what I did because they don't have the time and they don't know how to do social media. I can't, I can train you, but until you really work it, you don't, you don't know how to do it. You need to be a user of all of these platforms to know how they work. They're all completely different. So- right. Right. Yeah, I do. I do those. And the 90 day one, I do offer training as well. So if you have an employee, but I'm very upfront, if they don't have four hours every single day to do this, I'm not doing this for you. Everything I do will fall off. And then that makes me look poorly. They're going to yeah. blame me, not whatever came after the 90 days. So, and then I do the full social media management, which my minimum contract is six months, but I'm going to be changing that to a year 
pretty soon because even six months, like I've had a client since the beginning of the year and our meeting in May, he's like, I see we're finally getting traction going. And he knew up front, I told him, I said, you know, we, we've got some work to do here. It's going to take, and he was totally cool with it, but acknowledged it. He's like, now I see what you were talking about. Um, now I understand that. And, you know, it's hard to give some woman behind the screen. You've never even met the keys to your brand. Um, but that was very validating for me, for him to say that, because I say it until I turn blue in the face, but nobody gets it. Right, right. And, and, and then you're just one piece of the marketing pie. You know, basically, you know, you really do need marketing money. You've got to yep. have all the different components. Um, and if you want to get moving fast, you know, you, you've got to do some paid, yep. paid advertising and all that kind of stuff. It does, it takes time. And and it does take money, that's for sure. Um, I'm sorry, so where do you source your content? If oh you yes, know? content. Mm -hmm. um, so like one of my clients right now is also a consultant. He's R&D operations consultant, super intelligent. I look for the business forward, excuse me, um, emails like Cannabis Business Times, um, Marijuana Moment will have some good stuff. Cannabis.net has a great blast that has a lot of business forward stuff, MJ Biz Daily. So that's the kind of content you use on something like Twitter, because you really need to have several tweets a day. Um, like I said earlier, one tweet a month is not going to do shit for you. No one's going to log in today and run to your profile wondering what you posted on May 22nd. Like no one's that excited about your brand unless you're in their face all the time. So mm -hmm. sourcing content is important. And it's very important on the medical side that any websites you go to are reputable. So I kind of stick to Kenigma. Um, if you want government type stuff, Gondrepreneur is great. There's a lot of, a lot of clickbait, especially on the CBD side. Um, the COVID thing was a huge clickbait thing. CBD cures COVID. Oh gosh. And you That's see the URL. It, like nobody looks at the URL to see that it's got like 724 in the middle of the words. Like that doesn't tell me that's a good URL. So um, knowing what's reputable out there. And then the people I know who are putting content out there, I'm going to sign up for their lists and use their content and give them, um, you know, props when I post it and give them a mention on Twitter written by or via so-and-so. Um, give them some attribution for writing that because writing takes a lot of work mm -hmm. for visual content. The client needs to have a content creator because that's a full-time job. You yeah. can't expect someone like me to run four platforms and do the content for all of that. Um, I would be mediocre and you would not be happy at that. And I would only be able to have one client. So unless you got a hundred grand um, to give me to do all of that, when I started social media 17 years ago, I decided to only do social media. I could have done websites. I could have done SEO. I could have done, you know, graphic design as well. And I decided to be really good at one thing instead of mediocre at four. Not saying that someone who can do all of that is not doing a great job. I know how I work and I know I really needed to hone it in, but it's still a lot because each network is different and I'm on every single one of them. And I personally use every single one of them every single day. And I see a lot of people who do what I do that have five Twitter followers. How do you manage social media? If you have five Twitter, you don't know how it works. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the never trust a skinny chef. Right. <laughs> and also for the say dispensaries or the, the, um, the farm, the cultivators, they've got to provide you with the flour or the products and the brands that they're selling and, you know, whatever's going on at the store, or their events, you know, it's, I mean, so basically, I guess they have to feed you, you know, they, yeah, they have to feed you all that material. And most people do have, you know, I like to use Google Drive um, to store photos and things like that. So most of my clients will already have something like that. Or I can find if they're, you know, a grower in Sonoma County, I have enough connections that I can say, hey, I have $500 for you right now. I need you to go to this grow. I need some pictures and I need pictures of the kitchen too. Um, I have people everywhere to do that. I have crossed state lines to get product because I need to know the product if I'm going to be marketing it. So I've done that. I've gone to a different state to get the product of a client because um, I got to know it. I, I really Definitely. do. Oh, and I don't want to. You need it in hand. You've got it. You've yeah. got it. Yes. And what if it's really crappy? What if your flower sucks and I got to be the person behind the screen dealing with the trolls on Instagram? No, thank you. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Have you had any experience working with influencers in the, in the industry on, you know, I guess social media influencers or I have. Yeah. Okay. And, or, well, yeah, let's start with that. Those kind of influencers. Do you think they're effective? You know, you hear so many different people's opinion about, you know, working with celebrities that I, I, I have actually heard more people say it's not as, as effective as you think than the, no, it's not. Um, so I do deal with influencers. I've been working with influencers for maybe five or six years. My first um, time was with uh, a guy locally here who has glass. He make, he's, he's a Harvard engineer, makes the most amazing glass pieces. Hmm. And glass he, a glass blower? He's not, yeah, well, yeah, he's got, he's not a blower and it's not fancy custom stuff. It is, you know, like Grav Lab stole a lot of their designs. But <laughs> anyway, um, he was very particular and already had an influencer, which I was so thankful for, because this was five years ago. Nobody talked about influencers. She was um, 35, 40 years old. So she had the maturity and the professionalism to do it. Hiring an influencer just because they're young and have a lot of followers doesn't mean that they know a strategy because they create a strategy as well. A real influencer has a strategy. A real influencer will research shadow bans and hashtags. That does not happen the majority of the time. They think it's just them bopping around taking pictures. Um, that's not an influencer. An influencer needs to know where your customers are and needs to be able to target them as well. And that comes with also following the right people. Influencers need to follow people back as well. Um, they can be great. They can be frustrating, um, but they have to be open to learn and to listen because I know what I'm doing. I know social media and you want to get more exposure as an influencer, you had better be willing to learn from somebody who's a professional too. Because just being, like I said, 24 and a dabber doesn't make you an influencer. Right, 24 and a dabber. <laughs> but also, you know, with the restrictions on social media, I mean, it's hard to be yeah. so bold in amplifying this. I mean, I don't know how much can you really use an influencer 
You know, I, I know a lot of, I, I think, you know, a lot of luxury brands uh, think influencers are the way to go to get out there to. I think if you, if they're very good and if they have case studies and a portfolio, do not hire an influencer based on the number of followers they have. You're right. wasting your money and you could ruin your brand, which will take one bad move on social media. It takes months to clean up. Right. You, your reputation on social media is crucial. So it has to be precise. It has to have a strategy and it has to have a professional behind the screen. None of this $15 an hour crap for people to do your social. I see these job postings and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. And this is the third time you've been hiring for this this year. Let me tell you why. I will apply to those jobs sometimes just to talk to these people and say, you have four brands you want this person to do the content and social media for four brands every day, like for 50,000 a year. Are you kidding me? Right. That's 30 hours of work a day. There's only <laughs> 24 hours in the day. Oh my gosh. Um, do you, does, um, for the dispensaries, we were saying earlier that, uh, you know, like Google my business and Yelp, yeah. and all those things are super important for the dispensaries and the local SEO and all that. Does that fall under a category for you as a social media uh, strategist and, or, or is, yeah. is, is that, is that more the marketing department and you um, do all the other platforms that you were talking about? Well, I think because doing social media for so long, I understand SEO. I do offer that as a freebie because in all honesty, whatever is going on Instagram or Twitter that day, I post just as frequently on Google My Business as I do Twitter. And my clients get 100 tweets a month. So they get 100 posts on their Google My Business because Google and Twitter are partners. They, they started, Google started indexing hashtags. Hashtags are from Twitter. They're for search. They're not accessories. They're not to make your posts look like you know what you're doing. Um, so they started indexing hashtags and hashtags would come up in search from Google maybe about six or seven years ago. So if you are not implementing Google My Business and using one or two hashtags, you don't need 30 because they allow it, um, dedicated hashtags, that will help your Google My Business listing as well because it's activity, just like your website. Every time you add a blog, that's activity that Google's like, oh, this person just put a blog up. We should probably make sure they get seen this week, you know? Right. Um, but you have to work that stuff. You have to look on Yelp. And I was, I was an elite Yelper. Like I got on the Yelp thing right away because it was a very social aspect. We had a monthly get together at a restaurant. It was really fun. Oh. But it shot, and they let dispensary listings on there. They don't allow ads but your dispensary can be on there. If you're not utilizing the second most used search engine, then why are you in business? Why? Tell me why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Tell I, your investors why you're not on Yelp. Right, right, no, you, you have to be. And how do you, how do you view um, Weed Maps and all those different uh, apps? Uh, I really wish that people would hire somebody to do their listings. I love Weed Maps. I have partners there. I, I work with them, you know, when I have dispensary clients. I really love how they've grown and what they've come to be. Because for a while, I wouldn't use them because they let 
illicit market delivery on there. You could you could be a, a whatever terminology we're we're using now and still be listed on Weed Maps. And they finally stopped that because I was a Leafly girl. Um, but I am West Coast, so West Coast is mostly Weed Maps. I like all the features that are on there. I just wish dispensaries would actually get professional photos taken of the products. There are dispensaries here. Every edible is the same gummy picture. Are you that lazy? And again, don't your investors want you to be found and want people to come in the door? Because if your Leafly and Weed Maps listing looks like crap, I'm not going there. If there's a new edible that came into Arizona, and I see the name and I don't know anything about it. And it's the same gummy picture used for the gummies we've had here since the beginning. I'm not coming to your shop. So that's another service I offer is Leafly and Weed Maps profile optimization. It boggles my mind how little people put into those two apps that are, I think, I don't think I'm wrong when I say they're the most used for finding dispensaries. Everyone goes to both of those. Right. You have to put more effort into that. That should be a, a, a weekly strategy of, hey, who's going to check out the menus this week and blah, 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 blah. And I like doing that stuff because I don't have to worry about trolls. Right. <laughs> so my last question is, and, and, and is because social media is a global platform and, you know, the brands are restricted to only selling within their state lines, how do you justify to the client again how and how are you reaching your intended audience um and a lot of brands now are in multi-state we just got can here which is really exciting so i can give that to my friends who are afraid to try edibles right. or, or any cannabis whatsoever i give them 1906 and i give them can i'm like these are nice microdose products um you can try that so but again it doesn't matter the state line because people travel and people are going to come to Arizona because they're going to go to Vegas for BizCon. They're going to, you know, buy what's there because they saw it on Instagram. I think that people need to stop thinking about that because again, we're not selling anything. We're branding. So it doesn't matter. Okay, good point. You're, build, you're, you're, you're building the brand awareness yeah. for when the borders open up. And not even just that, but the more your brand is be becoming, you know, becoming known uh, over the state lines, when those brands do come into your state, you're already going to have loyal people there who've been waiting for you. Like there are some pre-rolls I see on Instagram. When are you coming? Joe Hodas, whenever he posts something about Juana, I'm like, can I get this in Arizona yet? He's like, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, that's true. The excite building the excitement for your brand. And to that point, though, also, it was Joe Hodes who was talking on Twitter. So when you want CEOs and owners, Andrew D'Angelo is constantly interacting with people. You want to talk with Jim Belushi? He's on Twitter. Like these, the people are on Twitter. That's where they're interacting because it's not the same kind of algorithm. I mean, they do have an algorithm, but um, there's such a loyal cannabis base on Twitter. I feel like it's such yeah. a it's a sleeper for most people. It's my favorite. And I would say other than LinkedIn, I think I've got like 20,000 connections there. I think my biggest following is Twitter. I, and know. I love Twitter too. I, 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 it's you, amazing. 
Yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter, that's where the pro yeah. professionals are if you if you want to interact with them. Yeah, definitely. So great B2B platforms, I guess. I uh, love the B2B platforms and I love LinkedIn. I love that they're open. I, I think that people are getting a little carried away with the length of their posts on LinkedIn. It's getting uh, to be a little TLDR. Um, you know, even though I'm Gen X and I prefer to have, you know, uh, I'm not an instant gratification person. I feel that people are a little blowhardy on there. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting a little frustrating for me now. I'm, and people are Facebooking my LinkedIn where they're posting, you know, the same thing they post on Instagram, driving in the car to the dispensary, they're posting that on LinkedIn. I don't want to see that. I want to know professional stuff from you on there. Yeah. And they, yes. Yes. I only know of two people who, and one was last week and she was selling CBD on LinkedIn. I'll even send you the email to prove it. Um, but again, social media is not for selling. And if you're going to do that, read the rules first. If you are on LinkedIn, you should have read the rules because when you click, I agree to the terms of service, that means, <laughs> and I read them because it's my job and you're paying my bills too. If you go against that, no wonder you're shut down. It's on you. And if you're not going to read the rules and, oh, back to the influencers, they also have to read the rules. I will not work with an influencer who can't tell me on a call what the first rule of Instagram, and I'm going to give it right now because nobody reads it and everybody <laughs> breaks this rule. And I wish that accounts would be taken down for this. The number one rule, the first rule on Instagram is you can only post what you own. That does not mean you can post a photo. You can't post someone else's picture and give them attribution. That is against the rules. You're stealing um, if you do that anyway. But stock images, don't use them on Instagram unless you have somebody who's dressing them up behind the scenes to make them. Because I see the same image used by 10 brands in the same day. That doesn't, that's not branding. That just makes you look like you're lazy and don't know what you're doing. Um, you have to read the rules. And if you can't, you don't deserve to make a penny off of social media. You, you do, you don't. I mean, mm -hmm. my bills are paid by my clients. I better know what the hell I'm doing. And the only way to do that is to read the rules. Good point. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. This was very insightful. I really have been wanting to put a social media expert on the podcast and, um, you know, I just love to talk marketing and just talk to someone else in it and just kind of dive into it. So I, I really enjoyed it and hear how you approach it and things like that. So I feel that marketing and social media are, uh, oh, do we need to do some marketing this month? I feel like take away some of what you're paying the CEO and give it to the marketing department because it should not be an afterthought. It should be part of your business plan when you're approaching investors. We have we need a hundred grand this year just that for marketing. Is, exactly, it really should be absolutely, um, yeah. And and you know, I I think one of the other things I'm we're really finding in the industry is there are so many new entrepreneurs coming into the industry that are bootstrapping. Yeah. And you know, what, they're trying to get past the cost of doing website design. And then, yeah. it's like, like you said, then they get to marketing and they, we do need more institutional investor money or bigger money investing in people in these small guys, you know, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of great entrepreneurs out there and a lot of great products. Um, 
but a lot of them are not funded. And I think it's because, because there's so many coming into the industry. We're all, you know, literally the whole country is just yeah. on this bandwagon and everybody's trying to start up and, you know, and the investors are running around trying to find the gems in the, you know, the needle in the haystack. And, but we'll see how it goes. But anyway, um, great to talk to you. And, you too. Uh, Have fun tonight. We'd love to catch up again sometime soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.